all of a sudden I just hear this big whoosh and so I was like I was looking to the sides and then the second I looked in front of me there was a giant whale like it and I saw like the hole like the blowhole and I was like oh and it came up for air and then the second it went down I was like oh my god there's a whale under my board right now What does surfing make you think of? It makes me think of Hawaii, palm trees, California, Dick Dale, and that movie Lilo and Stitch. But did you know there's a pretty big surfing community in Canada? Besides Tofino, the surf capital of Canada, some of the best surfing is actually on the Great Lakes during the winter months. Did you know stand-up paddleboarding can actually be seriously competitive, like on an international scale? Yeah, people compete in races that go from short sprints to marathons hundreds of kilometers long. I didn't know these things until I started researching this episode. People have traveled over water with boards and paddles for millennia, but surfing and stand-up paddleboarding, or SUP, originated as sports in parts of Polynesia, particularly Hawaii, in the last hundred or so years. They've since become popular around the world, including in Canada, where people like Maddie LeBlanc have made careers out of them. Maddie is a semi-pro SUP athlete, a surf and SUP instructor, and the founder of Onboard, an annual fundraising event for the Canadian Cancer Society. On today's episode, she talks about how SUP helped her recover from a year marked by major loss, her wildest moment on a board, the competitive world of SUP, some of the best spots to surf in Canada, and how someone living just about anywhere in this country can get into surfing or sup. I'm Megan Delaire. This is Catch Me Outside, and without further delay, let's get to it. Oh, by the way, if you're enjoying the show so far, hopefully you've subscribed. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, please don't forget to leave a rating and a review, and definitely recommend the show to your friends if you think they might like it. You can also follow Catch Me Outside podcast on Instagram for photos of the show's guests and other fun outdoorsy content. Okay, here we go. Good morning. Thanks again for coming over. Thanks for having me. I'm super stoked to be here. I'm super stoked to have you here. Um, like I said, in, in person, uh, it's been... It's been, well, I mean, regardless of the pandemic, I guess just because people are all over the country, it's it's not always possible to actually get to meet somebody. So, but you're right here surfing and paddling Lake Ontario. So uh, that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> how's, your, how's your year going so far? Have you been out on the water? Yes, actually. In, in January, I had quite a few surfs in the first couple of weeks of of that month and then unfortunately I, I got COVID kind of halfway oh. through January and then yeah literally I think I've only been out of isolation for like a week and a half oh wow almost two weeks so I haven't been on the water since January so yeah it's been it's been almost a month <laughs> yeah how, how are you feeling I, I had it in December it's Oof. not fun so <laughs> no honestly I, I tell everyone I'm like I don't wish COVID on like my worst enemy oh, <laughs> like, no. it was so bad um but we're feeling so much better now like okay. as each day passes so I'm like very thankful to yeah (laughs) and I've noticed it seems like a lot of people go out in the winter is Mm -hmm. there a particular reason for that is the surf like better in the winter or is it just because you can because you have wetsuits the idea of it to me is totally crazy but um (laughs) (laughs) definitely you're not the first person to say that (laughs) we get the crazy label a lot (laughs) oh yeah I mean I guess it's not very nice to say that (laughs) (laughs) no it's good I like it personally (laughs) yeah like what what's the the appeal I guess or the the like the draw going out on the lakes in the winter Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so actually, um, that's that's our season of of when we get waves. So wow. primarily in the summer, um, we don't get enough wind swell and enough storms to produce waves on the Great Lakes because the only way you will get waves around here is if the wind is blowing strong enough and if a, a storm just rolls through. Like usually, everybody's like staying inside, getting all cozy, and we're just like grabbing our neoprene, grabbing our boards, and we're like, "This is surf time. Let's go." <laughs> um, <laughs> 
That's so awesome. yeah, if we could surf in the summer here, we would. Yeah, <laughs> we would love to. That's that's pretty much ideal, but um, unfortunately, that's not what our Great Lakes provides. So <laughs> right, right. And you you surf and you stand up paddle board, which mm-hmm. which I think you you started earlier than than surfing and so so is it kind of like surf in the winter when when the waves are are good and then do more of the stand-up paddleboard stuff in the summer when like you don't need those swells or how does that work mm-hmm. absolutely yes yeah. so I am actually um, a semi-pro uh, stand-up paddleboarding athlete so yeah technically my my job is to train all year round but in the winter and with the waves the conditions can get really really crazy and usually I don't mind like going out and paddling in choppy water or, or wavy water but in the winter just because it's so much more cold and there's lots of ice. Um, it's kind of a little more dangerous sometimes to put a paddleboard in that situation. So, yeah, primarily what I, I like to do is surf in, in my off season and just have fun in the water in a different way. And then kind of come back to stand up paddleboarding in the spring, summer and, and fall. That's so cool. That's so mm-hmm. that's so wild. Um, OK. And so I guess kind of rewinding it. Um, so you started stand up paddleboarding actually you know what bear with me one moment i'm gonna close my windows sure but yeah so so you got into paddleboarding um pretty young right like before it was before it was cool although i'm sure you wouldn't say it that way because you seem like a humble person but um yeah can you kind of tell me about how that happened Mm -hmm. definitely yes so i think i was about um, 10 years old when my parents they took us up north to Sable Beach on Lake Huron and yeah one day we were just chilling on the beach and we saw these two guys um, going out into the water with these big giant boards and they weren't race boards but I remember like as a kid I was so attracted to them because they were just like huge and they were yellow and I was like is that a giant banana or something like what is that <laughs> like this odd shaped thing like what are they doing and they went out for a paddle and I saw them standing on these boards and I thought like that's really cool like that looks like a lot of fun and growing up I was always that kid that wanted to try like every single sport so I looked at it and I was like that's another activity (laughs) I could try (laughs) and um the the guys came back from their paddle so they were like walking along the beach and my mom looked at me and she was like Maddie you have to go you have to go up to them you have to ask them like what that is and at first I told her no, because I was so young, right? And and I was scared and nervous. And she just looked at me and she, and she said, Maddie, you will regret not asking them. And so just go do it. And I was like, okay. So I ran up to these, to these two men and I said, hey, like, what are those? And they said, oh, they're stand-up paddle boards. Would you like to try? And they wow. gave me the opportunity to try one of the boards. And literally that just was like the moment that sparked everything for me and I haven't looked back since so. wow the, the first time you tried it you just like took to it yeah like I just I loved how much fun it was because obviously like I didn't know you could race paddle boards at that time like yeah. so it was just a leisurely activity but I remember like my brother was on the board with me like he hopped on and I was holding the paddle so I just remember it was fun because we were both on it but I remember too, like looking around and then looking down and seeing like the blue water and mm. like the horizon. And I was such a small kid. So I just loved like the perspective that I had. And I thought, wow, like I've never done anything in my life to give me something like like this feeling that I have right now. Yeah. And I guess like subconsciously as a 10 year old, I just hung on to that for <laughs> for so long. So and then I so I think you you saved up for a while right and then you eventually bought uh, a paddleboard in like uh, 2012 or so mm-hmm. yeah yeah it was it, it, that story's kind of funny it was uh it was a deal with my parents that so like after that moment at Sobble Beach I I bugged them so much like I was like mom dad I want a board I want a board I want a board and they looked at me one year and they just said okay Maddie all right so so the deal is um we we will buy you a stand-up paddleboard for for Christmas it'll be your only present but you do have to pay for half like you have to you have to earn this um it's a lot of money to save right well and as like a I guess like a 10 year old trying it and then that only would have been like two or three years later I was like, oh, okay, like, you know, save all my babysitting money. And yeah. and that's exactly what I did. And 2012, uh, my parents, yeah, they surprised me with a board. 
That's so, so that's so awesome. That must have been like the best Christmas. It definitely was. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't beaten a Christmas since then. <laughs> so um, I know that you you run an annual fundraising um, campaign, I guess, called Onboard, mm-hmm. um, and you you established that in I believe 2014. Um, can you tell me about the events in your life in 2011 that led you to to establish this this fundraising um, campaign? Mm-hmm. Definitely, yes. So, um, yeah, 2011 was a pretty pretty rough year. Um, yeah, most people who know me <laughs> know that. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, at the beginning of the year in 2011. So on March 13th, my next door neighbor Lynn Lambert she passed away due to a rare form of skin cancer. And it was just such a sudden passing. Like she she was such a sweet mother and she was a teacher at a local high school in Welland. And like just having her next door all the time, like I would just see her almost every single day and, and talk to her. And I truly like loved this woman and respected her so much. Um, and just like her, her passing was so sudden. Like she had cancer when she was 18. It was in her leg. Um, but then the doctors thought they removed it all. And then, yeah, unfortunately it it came back in, in her thirties and it it was so aggressive. Like it just spread everywhere. And we found out like a week prior to her death that she was in the hospital and it wasn't going well. And we were like, Whoa, okay. And then yeah, like a week later she was gone. Oh my God. And that for me, like I, I was only 14 at the time. So I remember thinking like, whoa okay like what just happened here like hold up like like it was definitely a very shocking event but I didn't know like how to process it at the time so later on that same year uh another unfortunate event um one of my good high school friends Julia Turner she was diagnosed with uh glioblastoma which is a very super aggressive form of a brain tumor and so she was diagnosed with that in May so basically, yeah, like a couple months after Lynn's passing, I was so focused on Julia because I was like, oh, oh no, like a good friend is like going through something like really hard right now. Um, so my mind kind of got taken off of, of what happened with Lynn. And I was like really focused on Julia and like our high school was doing fundraisers for her and we were like, you know, trying to give her the best support possible. And I guess like by that, that time I would have been 15 and I just remember thinking to myself, like, yeah, like another 15 year old, like because Julia was 15 as well. I was like, there's no way like she can't she can't die now. Like she'll she'll recover. Like she'll be fine yeah. for sure. She'll make it through. And unfortunately, on December 23rd of 2011, she she passed away oh my God. as well. And that is when I think the combination of Lynn and Julia's passing like really just hit me. Like I realized like, oh, my God, like I just lost two really good friends who were both so young right and and I was always taught growing up that you know you you grow old and you get gray hair before (laughs) before you pass (laughs) right so I just was like so in shock and really questioning the world and and death and um and sickness and cancer because both of them passed away to cancer yeah so 2012 was like a really hard year like my family and I were really trying to like cope through that and and figure that out and when I tell the story of on board like I tell people that like the beginning was not sunshine and in rainbows it was definitely like there was a lot of hard days that followed like I think for a solid month it was like really hard for me to get out of bed most days I just didn't know what to do um and just kind of how to go about living life not being sad until one day my parents like they looked at me and they they saw this trend like they knew like okay Maddie's not doing well like you know it's okay to grieve and it's okay to be sad for a little bit but they were like all right this is dragging on too long so um my mom looked at me one day and she said to me she's like Maddie like yes it's okay to be sad for Julia and Lynn's passing but like they wouldn't want you to be this sad for this long like they'd want you to be happy for the lives that they lived and like that's worth celebrating yeah and I thought oh my god she's so right (laughs) my mom is right she definitely is you know like like um they they would be sad to like be looking down on me right now and and think like why is Maddie still moping around you know like like they did such incredible things in their short 
lives like I always like to say their lives were definitely quality over quantity you know like they didn't live for very long but they did pretty impactful things in our community in Niagara so like that's worth remembering and so I guess yeah after that on board um it was born a couple years later in 2013. Okay. That was the first year that I was able to take my paddleboard out. Oh, the, okay. Because the winter of 2012 was when I got it. Right. So then that following spring, I took it out. And the idea just kind of like hit me like mm-hmm. out of nowhere. And I, and I said to myself as I'm standing on the board, like, why don't I make a fundraiser out of what I'm standing on? Like, like That's Terry so Fox cool. went for a run. Why don't I just go for a paddle? Like, yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. And so... Yeah, I thought about it for a year and on board then, yeah, it was launched in 2014. Do you think that, you know, being able to get on your board and, and find a way to channel the the energy, like the, the, the emotion that you had around this thing, did that did that kind of help you sort of get back on your feet? Literally, you were on your feet. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no fun intended. That's the yeah. first I've heard of that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. No, absolutely. And I think... Um, I'll, I'll forever be so thankful for stand-up paddling, for, for giving me, like, life again, I feel like. And that that taught me a huge lesson, like, to be able to turn to a sport and, and an activity to be able to deal with life's challenges. And literally, yeah. that's how I go about my life now. Like, if anything's, you know, bringing me down or if I feel sad, it's like, that's what I'm going to turn to. I'm going to turn to the water and I'm going to turn to paddling because that's what makes me feel strong again. So that's, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. I think probably a lot of people listening to this can relate to that because people Mm -hmm. have, you know, hiking and climbing and, and things like that. And so, um, so you've, you've stuck with stand up paddleboarding, you know, all these years. Um, I know you've started surfing as well. What is it about, do you call it SUP or is that something everyone else calls it who doesn't actually do it? <laughs> is it one of those things? No, no, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's funny. You, you hear everything. You hear SUP, you hear SUP, you hear stand-up paddling, and I'm just like, call it whatever you want. <laughs> like, what do you yeah. call it? Paddling? Paddleboarding? Uh, yeah, I, I guess, I, well, I mean, I think I, yeah, I, I do prefer SUP because oh, okay. um, there is, like, prone paddling, and a lot of, like, people who compete in that sport, they, they're like, it's called paddleboarding, and I'm like, Okay, so uh, okay. <laughs> apparently the stand-up can be very important to some people. They're very particular, but okay. I'm not one of those people. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so like, you know, ho- I guess, like, hobbies come and go and 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 people find other things that, that they enjoy more, but you've stuck with stuff over all these years, and now you're, like you said, you're a semi-pro. Um, so what is it about, about SUP over like surfing or prone paddleboarding or kayaking or canoeing that, that just keeps you with it? Ooh, that's a great question. No one's actually <laughs> ever asked me that one oh. yet. <laughs> um, huh. I, I don't know. Like it, it's funny because like, I like to dabble like in those other sports. Um, like I tried to get a, a prone paddleboard actually like out to Tofino and, Fortunately, got damaged in <laughs> transportation, oh, no. but um, and I love like sometimes like I'll hop in a kayak every now and then, yeah. Um, and like yeah, surfing. It's like even surfing, I, I switch it up. Like I I go from longboarding one day to to sup longboarding, just to sup surf to oh. to shortboarding sometimes. So I'm really like I'm all over the place with with water sports, but I think yeah, at my core, I just feel so empowered like holding a paddle in my hands and like the motion of it and the fluidity of actually like getting a a 14 foot race board to like push through the water. Yeah. I don't know. It's just something about it. Like I, I love it. I love that feeling and I love that speed and, and control. Like it's, it's such a cool board. I'm, I'm so obsessed. (laughs) That is so cool. Yeah. And I didn't even realize that there was so much, um, that there was like such an established like racing I guess, like culture around it or whatever, like competitive kind of culture around it. So how long have you been competing? Well, you're um, racing specifically, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess racing started for me in 2016. So yeah, I guess we're approaching like year six or seven. I'm losing track. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, does it matter? <laughs> I'm trying to do the math in my head. Like, oh, actually, how long has it been? But yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so your cycle is kind of like you you train all year um, and then you you compete through like the summer, I guess, and, and spring. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, last spring was kind of funky, obviously with COVID and like everything kind of got jumbled, like races were planned and then they got canceled. So um, a majority of my race season last year was like the back end of summer. Like yeah. I did, I think two races in August and two in September. And then like, that was it. Like I had such a short season. Whereas, yeah, this year, my first race is at the end of April and my last race is going to be in November. Yeah. So it'll be a much longer and kind of almost feel like a normal season again. Okay. But yeah, basically, as long as it's warm and <laughs> and uh, all all good climate wise where, yeah. where we go, then yeah, we're, we're racing for a majority of the year. Sweet. And I think I saw you posted a, a video at some point or maybe maybe I saw it in your reels or something. I saw it on Instagram. You hit up the skate parks with in the summer or like when sometimes when you're training on like a a skateboard and a paddle yeah to to train (laughs) yes so one of my sponsors they're called the sup stick actually so they've created literally a a land paddle I guess is the best way to describe it and (laughs) and it's got like a really cool spring at the back half of the of the paddle and so yeah like if I can like replicate sup too on on the pavement (laughs) that's cool I'll try (laughs) that's that's so fun yeah it's so fun you'll have to try it sometime yeah I'd love to well I I tried stand-up paddle boarding once at a friend's cottage in a in a lake that had like a slight current it was like it had been a river and then they made it into a lake with a dam it wasn't a strong current but by the time I was like standing up and like not wobbling I had already traveled down the lake about 20 feet and I got I kind of panicked and like really desperately paddled back and that was my only experience on a on a paddleboard on a a sup so okay we'll we'll have to get you out again because we need to change that experience I think yeah more enjoyable I think so I think so Mm -hmm. um so I mean I've always associated, so surfing specifically, I've always associated, okay, hold on, hold on, rewind. <laughs> How long have you been surfing? Ooh, um, surfing, I guess actually my first lesson with Surf the Greats was in 2017, but I didn't start consistently surfing, I guess until like the winter of either 2018 or 2019, um, I just found it was like something that would help my stand up paddling because once I started racing internationally, I realized like, oh my goodness, like you're not always going to be in flat water. You're going to be in chop. You're going to be in downwind conditions. You're going to be in waves. So like, let's take a lesson and see how to handle waves. And cool. Yeah. And then you just, you liked it enough to, to just keep doing it. Like, Mm-hmm. semi-regularly or kind of like do you own a surfboard I do or I how have... many surfboards do you own <laughs> oh my god that's a better question I I have two I have two right now okay yeah okay yeah that's cool and so I mean uh I've always associated surfing with like California um <laughs> specifically not any other coast anywhere else in the well okay maybe in like Australia um uh but I imagine that there I mean Canada is has like three coasts although I don't know how many people are surfing in the Arctic but um <laughs> what are what are some of the best surfing spots in Canada that you've that you've been to Ooh, okay well definitely that I've been to I would say I mean I'm super biased but like the Great Lakes will always be number one for me um I think it is really special what we have here and I think it's quite interesting because a lot of people like don't take lake surfing seriously because they're like, oh, it's a lake. And I'm like, no, like you you have to come out and you have to try it because it'll humble you so much. And and it's such a, um, a great gift, I think, that we have to be able to surf here. So very biased, but definitely the Great Lakes. And, and any, any yeah. specific Great Lake? I think you've been on Lake Superior. That mm-hmm. must have been wild. Like people people talk about how lame lakes are or whatever but also like when you realize how many shipwrecks there are in even in lake ontario um but especially superior like it's not it's a sea it's a sea that's not salty basically yes. like <laughs> just think of it as a sea but anyway yeah it truly is yeah. like i yeah you're 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 so right like i had the chance to visit lake superior in the fall 
And I just remember like half of the drive up there, I'm looking around and I'm like, this looks like British Columbia. Like this looks like where I was living like six months ago. <laughs> like it, it, it was stunning. And it basically looks like an ocean. Like you look out, you can't see the other side. Like you can't see the States from at least like I was close to Thunder Bay. Okay. So I, I was looking out and I'm like, yep, I can't see the States. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's huge. It's, it's yeah. like an ocean. And Lake Superior is actually known for having some of the best Great Lakes surfing because of how big it is. So you can get the most fetch and the most swell and mm-hmm. the biggest swells on on Lake Superior. Yeah, I can so. imagine. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. And so you you lived in Tofino. Um, we talked about this a little, but I wasn't recording. So you lived in Tofino last year through mm-hmm. the spring and summer, right, for for a job or, or, or an internship? Yeah, so I was, yeah, I was working there. Okay. Um, yeah, I was working Right, like a, you would need an internship. You've yeah. been doing this for so long. <laughs> right? I'm just like, I need to get paid now. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Especially with how expensive groceries are in Tofino. Like, I you need imagine. You need a job there. It's <laughs> at least just to eat. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was there um, from May of 2021 to August okay. of 2021. So I was there for about three months. So is that one of your top surfing spots in Canada, I'm guessing? <laughs> oh, yeah, de- definitely. Yeah, like like we were talking about this too earlier before recording, but how hard it can be sometimes to like live in the city. And and like, yeah, since moving here, like I'm learning to love Toronto a little bit day by day, but I, I miss Tofino like almost every day of my life. Like I look back and I think like, wow, I I was so lucky. I got to live in such a beautiful environment. So it's, yeah, it's incredible. I, I love Tofino. <laughs> is, it, is it like, I imagine Tofino is kind of like the surfing mecca of Canada. Mm-hmm. That's how I've, when I, okay, when I have associated surfing with Canada, I've always thought of Tofino. <laughs> yes, it's very, it's very much a highly um, sought out after place in Canada to go surfing. Yeah. Um, which is quite interesting to me because the East Coast actually does have some fantastic waves. Oh. Um, I think the East Coast, though, they're just a little better at like keeping it secret. You know, ah, like you, okay. you don't see the pictures on Facebook and, and Instagram really of, of the swell there. Or if you do, like if you do have a friend that surfs there, like they're not going to post their location. Like they're very good <laughs> at, at localism and, and keeping it local. Okay. Um, so I think Tofino is just Canada's most like welcoming um surf environment that like you're gonna have waves every day because that's that's the drawback of of surfing on the great lakes is that like you're only gonna have waves when when there's wind and storms yeah and we can't predict that um two or three weeks out like usually it's days before that we'll be checking the forecast and saying like okay hey guys like let's go like you know thursday morning like that's when we're we're going out you know And, and even sometimes that window can be so short like i know yesterday we had surf and it was only like a few hours in the afternoon like it didn't last super long um whereas like tofino you can go there all year like any day and you will most likely 99.9 percent of the time have surf so nice. it's a great spot to learn and the ocean is a little bit more of a friendly environment <laughs> as well than sometimes on the great lakes too um yeah. so yeah tofino oh. is definitely more of like the popular destination yeah yeah but both coasts have like really really strong uh um, I, I guess draws. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. I think the surfers that like to go off the beaten path a little more will go out east and they'll they'll kind of venture off there. But for someone who is like their brand new beginner, they just want to try it. Yeah. Um. Primarily, yeah, they'll they'll look at Tofino. Okay. That's where they'll go. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so for people who who are considering um, getting into stand up paddleboarding or surfing. How can somebody who has no experience kind of start to get into it and get a feel for it? Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know if that varies depending on whether you live in a big city, on a lake, on the ocean, in a small rural town that's landlocked. Yeah, I don't Mm -hmm. know. Yeah, I think, well, the beauty about surfing in Canada is like, at least what I'm learning too through, through my job here in Toronto is that like, anywhere that there's a wave like people are surfing it like Hmm. there's like river surfing in Alberta is becoming so popular 
and we even have a few rivers here in Ontario as well that people are surfing. So I think Ottawa River, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ottawa. It's like yeah, one of the most popular places to to river surf here yeah. in Ontario. So I think um, no matter where you are, like if you're landlocked or yeah, if you're by the Great Lakes or if you're by the ocean, I think. Um, yeah, definitely it, it can be quite challenging to get into surfing, but if it's something you really want to do, I think there's there's ways for sure. And the first thing I would suggest is to reach out to your local shop. Like if you have a local surf store or even a stand-up paddle boarding store, most paddlers now are well-versed in surfing. Okay. So you can talk to someone there and I'm sure they'll point you in the right direction. Um, for us, I'm, I'm very biased, but <laughs> uh, here in, in Toronto, like I work at a store called Surf the Greats and and that's what our mission statement is for our company. Like we, we want to educate and empower people to get into the water. And I'd say 90% of our clientele and our customers are beginners. Cool. So people will come to us because we host workshops like uh, wave forecasting. So we give people the tools and the knowledge Ooh. to predict when waves are coming. Um, we have rental gear. So if people don't want to invest in a wetsuit, because I know that can be super expensive, um, they can just try it out for for a couple of days or, yeah. or however long they choose and they can test out the gear um and and really see if it's for them because i've i've seen people get turned off of surfing really easily <laughs> and really? i've seen the opposite as well i've seen people fall in love with it like the second they try it so yeah yeah there's definitely ways definitely sure. yeah it, it seems for sure like something that you'd want to try in sort of a low risk like you don't have to own the gear or buy the gear or whatever um just mm -hmm. just in case but yeah so it's good to know um yeah that there are groups like surf surf the greats and and other um organizations and and camps and stuff like that 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 people can reach out to but you think mm -hmm. they should start with their local surf shop and then get yeah. the get the 411 definitely all right <laughs> like with stand-up paddleboard are there okay so you race is there like long distance racing on stand-up paddleboards how do what are some of those other disciplines like what is the longest distance somebody might travel on a on a stand-up paddleboard these days mm -hmm. oh goodness um I I do like to refer to sup now and, and competing almost like running where you have this wide range of, of disciplines, right? Like running, you'll have like all the track and field events. So you'll have like the sprints, you'll have, um, um, so, oh my gosh, so many things. <laughs> or, or like the complete opposite side is like the marathons and the endurance side of the sport. So, you know, if you asked me that question, like, maybe five years ago, I, I would have said like, yeah, maybe the longest you'll paddle is like 18 kilometers, but there's races now like the Yukon river quests that are like, Whoa. I, th I think that race, I, I I'm not a hundred percent sure. Sorry. Yukon river quest, but I think <laughs> it's like roughly 700 to like 800 kilometers. Like Holy it, shit. it's usually like a four or three or four day event where people are paddling. Oh. Yeah. For like all hours of the day they're they're sleeping maybe for like two or three kind of like, um, if I could refer it to like a portaging trip almost yeah. like it, it's like it's an endurance race like it lasts for days and wow. um in Ontario there's a race like that called the Muskoka River X and I know that one I think is roughly around 100 kilometers too and that takes place over like the course of like two days or three days so yeah it's it, it's insane like like sup it there's so many different types of competing that you can do I personally love long distance but not like ultra long distance right like my my maximum usually is roughly like 50 kilometers like I won't paddle more than 50 yeah um that's kind of I like to like just kind of paddle in a day and like have it done <laughs> okay okay that's that's still um, yeah. so cool though and I mean yeah I'm definitely more drawn to endurance like you know doing something over a number of days so how do people like do people wear a backpack with their like gear in it or like their their food or their tent or do they just like stow it on the paddleboard how does that work mm -hmm. yeah so I know yeah for like the ultra endurance uh types of racing that that do last over days um is that a lot of those races will have checkpoints mm -hmm. um so that kind of helps the paddlers in terms of like light 
lighting their load I guess making their load lighter <laughs> and um yeah but but there's definitely ways like um most powders will wear a hydration pack mm-hmm. um so a lot like ultra distance running where you'll yeah. you'll have like an easy accessible way to get to water um but yeah paddle boards like a lot of them do have bungee cords on the front Mm. and sometimes race boards can even be uh what we call a dugout design where the deck is like a little bit recessed and the rails are higher so you can actually put gear at the front and then not worry about it just like rolling off your board because it's not necessarily like a flat deck and that's usually a good spot for storage and for safety gear because a lot of these races too you need you need that safety gear you need lights on your board when you're paddling at night and yeah and things like that naturally so I'm definitely not an expert in it but I know like yeah there's ways you can store a lot on your paddleboard as well that's so cool that's Mm -hmm. so cool what's what's the what's the wildest thing that you've experienced on a on a surfboard or a stand-up paddleboard be it like a place that you that you surfed or that you paddled or is there is there like something that really stands out in your memory as like a a really I don't know just elevated experience Mm-hmm. actually yes uh, for a second I was like oh no I'm not sure how I'm gonna answer this question because definitely I've had experiences in surfing and paddling but um one that happened to me actually when I was out in Tofino was like a day that I thought was just going to be a regular day like I took my racing board out and I launched at this little beach called Mackenzie Beach and straight out like not even two kilometers out there's this little island called Tonquin Island and I just thought to myself the one day I was like you know what I haven't paddled there yet and I really want to go there and and the swell was calm so it wasn't anything crazy um I just knew I couldn't go on the outer side of the island because then that would be like open ocean and that would just be like like too far um yeah so yeah just like I was literally in the period of my my warm-up section of my training and uh I actually I had my headphones in as well and sometimes I I keep them in just because like my workout can be like programmed on my watch and sometimes it'll like tell me like all right do this now yeah um so I just had them in but like no music was playing and all of a sudden I just hear this big whoosh and and I thought to myself I'm like oh my gosh maybe it's like waves on the other side of the island like just hitting the island or like maybe there's like um I don't know like a rogue wave somewhere like I was like what is that like huge noise and so I was like I was looking to the sides and then the second I looked in front of me there was a giant whale like it and I saw like the whole like the blowhole and I was like oh and that's what it had done it had like like vented or whatever yeah like oh my gosh and I was like no way and it was like so wild because I was like having such like mixed emotions about it like I was so happy that I saw a whale and that close like literally from like me to probably where your couch is right there like that's where the whale was oh my god so I was like it's right in front of me like no way and it came up for air and then the other part of me is like the second it went down I was like oh my god there's a whale under my board right now and then I like so I was like okay go 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 so I just like sprinted paddling like away and my heart rate like it was so funny like watching my watch like my heart rate just spiked like so high (laughs) and I was like oh my god like I think this is the fastest I've ever paddled in my life but it was such a like a humbling moment like I was like wow like you know you're paddling in a big pond you know like you're a little fish in a big pond right now oh my god and um yeah that's definitely like the coolest like nature experience I've ever had with wildlife and yeah I'll never forget that day that's so (laughs) incredible do you have any idea what kind of whale it was like was it like a humpback or I think it was actually a gray whale oh wow Mm -hmm. because there are humpbacks um in Tofino but they're yeah they're a little more aggressive so I think in that okay. moment, I wouldn't have been happy. I think I would have been like, oh, shit. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, my God. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely, I'm pretty sure it was a gray whale. Oh, man, that yeah. is so cool. Yeah. That is so, so, so cool. Not to knock the Great Lakes, but I guess here you might, the, <laughs> I think we have sturgeons. You might you might see a really big sturgeon. Maybe. But not. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't yet, but, uh, no, it, it's so true, right? Like, it, like, any paddle I've ever done here on the Great Lakes, it's like, 
um, yeah, you, you, we have like cool fish, but you know, you're, you're not worried about anything. Like, whereas like in Tofino, it's like, you know, I'm looking down and, and I had that, that moment with a whale, but like I've, I've seen seals there and jellyfish and you have to be like, your senses have to be a little more heightened when you're, when you're paddling there. You can't just be like, la la la, like (laughs) on the Great Lakes in in terms of wildlife, because it is more of a risk factor. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think even the difference between I don't know. I went kayaking in the in the Gulf Islands once, and it and we saw. I think we saw we saw a seal for sure. But then there was something else, and and the the friend that I was with was like trying to determine like is that a seal or a sea lion? I think that was oh, or a yeah. walrus maybe because she was like <laughs> one of these is friendly, the other is like actually pretty scary. So you know, let's just avoid that area. Not to say like, you know, it's really scary and dangerous and you shouldn't do it. But yeah, it seems like you definitely have to have a different level of of awareness. Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) With all that wildlife. Yeah. For people who want to get into stand-up paddleboarding or surfing, but they live in, say, you know, like a city like Toronto or Calgary or Montreal or whatever – um, maybe they don't have a car or, or a really big place. Like, how do people get their boards to water? I don't know, with, without a car. Like, is, I, that seems like a stupid question, but also it would be something that would probably prevent me from, from going out and getting a board, just being like, how do I get this to water if I don't have a car? I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, that is a great question. I think um, it's funny. Like, there's there's um, a few photos of uh, my my boss from Surf the Greats. His name's Antonio. Uh, like, riding the TTC with, like, his shortboard, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, cool. it's so funny. Yeah, like, people will take public transit sometimes to, to get to the surf. Um, but definitely now, I think with technology and social media, it's incredible because there's so many groups out there now oh. for, like, ride shares, um, I know specifically too for females, we have a group called Lake Surfistas and nice. so many women are in there, like we'll post like, Hey, I'm going out to surf. Does anybody need a ride or something like that? So there's definitely someone that usually has a car that's willing to drive, uh, people to the surf. And trust me, I know, I know what that's like. Like, um, I, I just got a car since I moved to Toronto, but like prior to that, like living in Tofino, like same thing. I was always going with my roommates to the beach cause, or riding a bike and putting, um, like one of those like longboard racks yeah, on my bike to, yeah. to be able to get to the surf. So okay. yeah, there's definitely ways, uh, yeah, to, to connect with others who may have access that, that can help you out. Yeah. Um, and definitely, yeah, with, with our world of social media, I'm sure you can find someone. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's there's a lots of like you just have to get a little more creative, I guess, is kind of the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. Like find community and and uh, I mean, it's the same with people who like to hike but don't have cars. Like you just have to find find people to to do it with. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. And what about storing? What if somebody like are there options for for paddleboard and surf storage in in a lot of towns? Like, is this something you've come across? Um, or do people just kind of find a place in their home and yeah, I was going to say like, I think, um, it just depends like, yeah, specifically on the board. So like for paddle boarding, um, if, uh, if you don't have the room, then I usually suggest to, especially a lot of people here in Toronto, uh, buying an inflatable cause that's easy storage. Mm. You can blow it up, take it down. They work just as well. Sometimes if not better than, than a hard board, especially if you're just leisurely paddling like inflatables, they need to get a better rep. Like I think they're incredible options for people. Oh. So that's what I would say on the paddling side. But I think for surfing, yeah, like, I mean, if you have a short board, it's like roughly like can be on average like five four to like six feet so that's not too bad like most people can find somewhere in their apartment to store that but then yeah if you get into like the longboard range that that can be quite tricky for sure um so yeah I think longboards I know a lot of people will buy like um kind of like hanging wall racks to make Mm. them like almost kind of decorative but also like have a space that like okay here it is it's just on my wall like I can take it down now when whenever I need to go yeah um but yeah besides that I'm I'm not really sure if people have like storage units or something where they keep them or well that's yeah options that's that's fair that's really cool though I mean um it it's always struck me as something with quite a few 
barriers to entry. And I mean, there are some barriers that are, are always going to be hard to uh, solve, I guess, for, for some people. But um, finding finding waves and finding people to, to carpool with and finding community seem to, to be things that are, are pretty easy to solve. Um, mm-hmm. So that's really cool. Um, and so what are you looking forward to in the coming year? Um, yeah, so this year I'm very excited to be like racing again in like what feels like somewhat a normal year. So I've picked like four major races that I want to compete in this year and they're all like international. So I'm like really excited for that. So cool. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just like, yes, you know, like get to get to kind of travel outside of Canada again to, to compete. So I'm like very excited for that. Um, as well as actually, I will be going back to Tofino in oh, April. Yay. Yeah, I'm going to go um, represent Surf the Greats at, uh, there's like the CSA Surf Canada Rip Curl uh, Pro Nationals out there. So Canada's best surfers go to compete for a spot cool. to be on, on Team Canada. So I'm going to go watch and cheer and network. And it's going to be so fun just kind of oh going back to what feels like my second home. So I'm really excited for that. And um yeah, just kind of, I guess, furthering my career as well at Surf the Greats. Like, I'm, I'm the general manager right right now, um, but I'm 25, so I'm still young and I'm still learning a lot. And, you know, I'm making lots of mistakes, but we're... <laughs> <laughs> That's how you learn. We're, we're going through it, and uh, it's yeah. making me so humble and just, like, yeah, learning, learning the city, like, learning Toronto and kind of seeing it hopefully soon outside of pandemic mode because yeah. right now I'm just like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> No, it can be it can be a really fun city. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how long are you going to Tofino for? I'll only be there for for the weekend. Okay. Um, yeah, I think the competition is April eighth to the tenth. Okay. So I'll be there. Yeah, over the course of that weekend. Nice, nice. And where mm-hmm. are you competing? Where are your four? Where are your international competitions? <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so I guess the first one at the end of April is in North Carolina at the Ooh. Carolina Cup. I'm going to be competing in the 13 mile uh, graveyard race. So it's like half ocean, half flat water. Uh, race because we kind of come in and cut into a harbor which is really fun um and then i'm going to hood river in oregon in august uh to compete in the columbia gorge downwind paddle challenge whoa yeah so i'm like very excited for that one because downwinding that's my favorite kind of paddling because it's like half surfing half racing oh cool yeah so i'm very excited for that one um and then yeah i'm i'm planning to go to uh stand up paddling is kind of funny we have two organizations that like to govern our our sports so i'll be going to the icf worlds in poland in september and the isa worlds (laughs) in puerto rico in november so yeah lots of lots of good racing this year wow puerto rico i can picture where what do you surf on in poland uh, so, well, so in Poland, um, it, a section of that country does um, lead to the ocean. Okay, I, right, yeah. I don't know what the gulf is. Like, there's a name for it. I just yeah. can't remember. Um, but we, we are actually going to be competing close to a marina. So cool. I think, like, it's still the ocean. Like, there yeah. will still be some chop and maybe potentially waves, just depending on the conditions. But I think where it, it sits to because um, we're we're specifically in Gadina down cool. there um it, it could be flat like the the oh. ocean could give us anything that that day so I'm not really sure what what Poland will provide but cool it should be fun and when does your fundraiser take place each year when does onboard happen yeah so onboard this year we're looking at Sunday August 7th um here in Toronto last year we did it as a paddle out format to be more of like a memorial slash celebration of life uh, in honor of Lucas Murnahan. Okay. So I think we're going to kind of take on a format like that again for this upcoming year because always like prior to on board happened in Welland and we always paddled mm. five kilometers down the Welland Canal. But now that I'm here in Toronto, like I'm trying to establish some some roots here and, yeah. and kind of make people feel connected as well here. So um, yeah, definitely more details to come for that. It's cool. in its very early planning stages. But yeah. yeah, we're looking at Sunday, August 7th right now. Cool, cool. And and so right, uh, the way that you've been doing it, it's not really something that people can can attend remotely, can they? Like, can somebody from a distance kind of like go do their own 
paddle out kind of thing or is it very much a local local event yeah it's definitely yeah it's a local focused event um but I know like with COVID for the past two years like there there have been a few friends that like they've they've just gone out and they've done their own paddle like on that day and they'll wear like the onboard t-shirt and they'll send it to me and they'll be like I paddled today and I'm like oh Oh, that's so, so sweet. Some people do it like informally, but it's yeah. not like virtually organized. Where right. If they want to go out and, and do it, it's like, yeah, we're, we're pretty chill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when that's we organize cool. it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank yeah. you so much for, for joining me today and driving across the city and braving the <laughs> the rain. Although I guess you don't really mind water, so. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although not you're not wearing all. a wetsuit, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I, I wasn't prepared <laughs> with all my neoprene. <laughs> Is there anything that you wanted to talk about or, or cover or say that we haven't really covered yet or? Yeah. Um... No, no, I don't think so. Um, I usually just shout out my my sponsors though to say yeah, thank you for <laughs> sure all of the support if that's okay. Yeah. But um, yeah. shout out your sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> or is that how you shout them out? Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> shout out sponsors. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Um do you want me to list them or sure yeah who yeah? sponsors you? Okay. Who are you sponsored by? <laughs> I am I'm sponsored by uh Surf the Greats, uh Supstick. Um, Hammer Nutrition Canada, Beast Shakes. Um, who else am I sponsored by? Uh, City Welland. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm like trying to think. There's so many now. <laughs> we have so many on our team. Um, awesome. Oh, I guess actually this is good news. Uh, Roxy will be sponsoring Ooh. me this year as well. Um, so nice. if anybody listens to this podcast, they're going to be the first to know. <laughs> wow. Because you're announcing your new sponsorship right. right now. Yeah. Congratulations. So. Yeah. I'm like, oh, shoot. Didn't even realize that's what I'm doing. But yep, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I can edit that out yeah. if you want. Oh, it doesn't matter. No, okay. that's okay. Might as well keep it. People are going to cool. find out soon anyway. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. We're bringing Roxy on board this year, which yes. is pretty big. Like, I'm really stoked for them. Like, that's, oh. That's some pretty big, like, name recognition, Roxy. Like, everybody knows Roxy. Everyone grew up with Roxy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's so cool. And is that for for the international like the 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 international competitions or is that for a specific race or um yeah like so actually uh we haven't worked out specifically um all of our details like in the contract yet mm-hmm. but for the most part it will just be like gear and, yeah. and representing roxy so they'll be able to give me what i need to to do my job and, and compete so nice yeah yeah they'll That's be awesome. a lot of fun to bring on board Yay! Well, oh, good yeah. pun. <laughs> <laughs> that time, yeah, pun wasn't done. <laughs> well, keep on making waves. Right? <laughs> this is too good. We can be here all day with puns. Right. <laughs>